Hi, I'm Rick Hoberg. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles. Read them all. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles episode 31, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 175 and X-Men number 108 from September 1977. Welcome to the 31st episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Chris Stados. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection, either in a digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and have fun along the way talking about the comics with my friends. Speaking about my friends, I'm going to call them my podcast partners because they have been around, can you believe it, for over 31 episodes. Wow. We ain't done. It's 31. <laughs> 30, 31, baby. <laughs> it's going to keep on going, I think. I don't know. We'll see. It's the Baskin Robbins episode. 31 flavors, ah, baby. 31 flavors of fun. <laughs> Mine tastes like <laughs> That's a weird ice cream cone. <laughs> Flavored ice cream. I think I just puked in my mouth. <laughs> well, speaking about dirty ice cream, let's go ahead and introduce Jarrett Elbrick, the yard sale artist, aka Death Probe. Yeah, snort out of me. Oh, man, I am happy to be here. So happy to be here. I mean, 20 years ago when I was in Vietnam, I almost died. But luckily, Delvin the Dark Web Williams was there and he pulled me into the uh, into the bush and saved me when I was surrounded. So thanks for that, Delvin. No, it's no problem. Just remember, though, you owe me a life. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I won't regret that. Nah, probably not. <laughs> Someday. We'll see what happens. You actually owe Delvin twice now. Do I? Yeah, because he's For the saved. cart? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I saw where that was going. For the cart rundown at this cheetah-like speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. The debt is mounting. I sent him a birthday present this week, and it's oh. pretty awesome. It's one of those presents that's so cool that you're like, should I keep this? Or... <laughs> you owe me nothing, but thank you. I'm looking hey, forward no to problem. it. Hey, no problem. I think you're going to dig it. Ooh, I can't wait to see what it is. You should watch the mail for it. <laughs> oh, there's a hint in there, I think. That's <laughs> my power bill. He <laughs> <laughs> sent you that fiber optic cable. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, you, if you needed money, you could have just asked me. I this, is, this is not a good no. birthday present. Please pay this. Happy birthday. Love, Jared. You're the best. Let's go ahead and say hello to Delvin the Dark Web Williams. Hey, how's it going, man? It's going all right. You? It's been better. I got, it's not like terrible news, but it's kind of bad news. I I broke my watch. So Hmm. another way of saying that is that my watch is out. Watch out for the hitman. Oh, man, that joke like stretched out. Walked up. 
But it button hooked me. I, was, I didn't see it coming. I had a class today on presentation, and sometimes it's all about the pause. Mm. You got to let the pause set in, and then, you know, you go through with the joke. Sometimes I'm, glad, I, I'm glad you said something, because now when I edit it, I'll leave the pause in just for you. Yes. Well, speaking about pause, let's go ahead and say hello to cat lover Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling bad because both Delvin and Jared are mad at me. We went out and visited the Statue of Liberty, goofing around on top of the Statue of Liberty's head. Delvin slipped, and then Jared slipped, and I could only save one of them. And they were like, help me. You know, Jared's like, help me, I'm your brother. Delvin's like, help me, I'm your friend. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And I did the only thing I could do, and I let them both fall because, <laughs> you know, they're both heavy. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of work, man. <laughs> I'm not the kind of guy that's going to dive after a runaway cart. I am definitely not the kind of guy that's going to haul a body up the side of the Statue of Liberty. I think that's fair. That's yeah. fair. As I plummeted, I was like, this seems equal. <laughs> yeah, this is fair. This is fair. You're probably already out of breath walking all the way up there to begin with. Well, there's that elevator. This is hurtful, yeah. Pat. Yeah. This is hurtful. You're driving hurtful. <laughs> Yeah, you'll get over it. Yeah, that's what I figure. They'll be all right by the end of the show. They don't need their arms or legs to do a podcast. <laughs> no, podcast, no. Uh-uh. You just need a voice. That's all you need. Even we can do it. You know, we're like the Millie Vanilli of podcasting. <laughs> Girl, you know it's true. <laughs> well, speaking about knowing that it's true, let's go ahead and see what's in Pat's poll list. Excuse me while I whip this out. Pat's poll list. That's the list. list. I'll bet it's Star Wars. <laughs> Pull it if you got them. I'm sure Pat's this won't list. go long. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, everybody just really like it, okay? Yeah, got don't, it. Got don't it. set them off. It goes better when you guys agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, Pat. 100%, Pat. You got this, bud. You're awesome. Love You're you, Pat. Awesome. awesome. All right, well, let's go ahead and see what's in Pat's poll list. For September 1977, here is what is in my poll list. We did mm-hmm. take a poll on the Crusader Club site. So if you are a member there, which you can be for only a dollar, you can be part of the poll process and help decide <laughs> what we're going to feature next. <laughs> <laughs> poll process. What? Uh, Nothing. What no, that? you're right, That For just a dollar a month, you too could be voting on show content. That's mm-hmm. right. You could work that poll. And I believe we gave them the option for this episode. We said you could vote on whether our second main feature is going to be X-Men or Star Wars. So tell them what happened, Pat. It was like back and forth. It was a good race. It was. One would go ahead. The other one wouldn't. And then finally, it's neck and neck. And nobody won. It was a tie. Oh, (laughs) Absolute tie on our first poll. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Not to get too technical, but if one pulled ahead and the other one. I was going to let that go. (laughs) The other it wasn't neck and neck. One clearly won. Like Pat, trying tried to, his best. Yeah, I was trying to put some excitement in it. <laughs> okay, I got it. Neck and neck, photo finish. We were yeah. split decision. So split what do we decision. do if it's a tie? What do we do if it's a tie, Pat? 
Well, I'm glad you asked, Jared, because it was. And so what is going to happen when it's a tie? We're going to default to our normally pre-scheduled issue, which would be the X-Men. Mm, X-Men won by default. Default. By default. 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 But thank you to all the voters out there. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for voting. I think it was a fun process to see. And more will come as we get more and more issues built up in the list. So, so if you're listening to this and you're like, God, I didn't want X-Men to win. I wanted Star Wars to win. And you aren't a member you have nobody to blame but yourself you need to be a member get your vote in get it counted yeah get some friends too who think just like you and then you can have the comic that you want you don't have to listen to x-men unless you like x-men then you do have to listen to x-men right so now if you're listening to this you're like whoa whoa whoa, wait a minute these guys are pushing to get some star wars in here i don't like this get your dollar out (laughs) Get, get your friends to get their dollar out and get in this next bit. Don't think of it as a pyramid scheme. Think of it as like a three-dimensional triangle. That's right. <laughs> oh, you're onto something there. <laughs> oh, anyway. No, Pat's poll list. Well, Pat's yeah. list. So for Pat's poll list issue, it is Star Wars number six. We are finally there, boys. Number six. Oh, man. Wrapping up the main story. Ramping up the main story in Star Wars. Publisher was Morrow. Got a cover date of September 13th, 1977. Its title is, Is This the Final Chapter? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Writer was Roy Thomas, penciler Howard Victor Chaikin. Inker Rick Holberg. And letterer is Carol Lay. Colorist is Patty Cockrum. Mm Mm-hmm. It's one of them spouses. Uh-huh. Very cool. So I'm going to give you a brief overview of the issue. Thanks to mycomicshop.com. It is, this is it. The explosive conclusion of the biggest space epic of all time. Armed with the secret plans, the Rebel Alliance mounts an all-out attack on the evil empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star. However, they'll have to break through the monstrous space station's own defenses and dozens of deadly TIE fighters to get its weak point. As the Rebels' time begins to run out and their fleet of X-Wing fighters begin to dwindle, it falls upon young Luke Skywalker and the power of the Force to save the day. But first, he'll have to pass the most dangerous man in the galaxy, Darth Vader. Ooh, I wonder how it turns out. Don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what happens. <laughs> the sad part is for a quarter of this team, that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't know what happens. It's a you didn't read it, Delvin? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why not? Not Delvin's poll. <laughs> he made that very clear on a previous episode. Yes, it's Pat's full list. I, I, I even sung it. I was like, Pat's full list. Pat's full list. Not mine. Not Delvin's. Not Delvin's. I thought you were going to agree and work things out, Delvin. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime that we do an episode, I'm more than happy to read Star Wars. Other than that, you can't make me Nana Nana Boo Boo. Mm. Oh, but the Crusader Club members might be. That's true. If you want to make me read more Star Wars, join the Crusaders Club. <laughs> All it costs is a dollar. <laughs> it's one long commercial that we turn into. <laughs> Uh, it's all for fun, folks. So hopefully you can join us in the next poll. So anybody got any thoughts on this? Star Wars. Let me check out this cover here. Ooh, I like the cover. The cover's cool. Too, yeah. yeah, there's no lightsaber duel between the two of them at the end. There's that, and I, I don't like Princess Leia in the... <laughs> yeah, that ain't Leia. That ain't Leia. No, Leia be yeah, busting some caps, man. Look at his dreamy thighs. <laughs> it's your brother. <laughs> 
Oh, I thought you were talking about Vader, man. Vader. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's going to be worse. That's yeah, he's going to do those punches. <laughs> there's, there's no easy way out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold choice, but the Y-Wing fighter instead of the X-Wing fighter on the cover. I Good like point. It, Good point. Y-Wing, not X-Wing. Right, Delvin? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. Second joke. I can't see it. <laughs> oh, because it's a mode of transportation. Uh, and I, I apologize to Patty Cochran, man. She can color a little bit. That's beautiful colors on there. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. Not bad at all. Very classic cover. Well, with that, let's get to a quick podcast promo break, and we will get to the start of the first featured issue. We will be right back. Sean Jones of Mars. Ten years ago, a crashing wave of light erupted across the DC Universe. A multicolored spectrum of energy bathed the cosmos in a war of light. Rage clashed against passion. Hope sought to stifle fear. Greed to choke out compassion. And in the middle of it all, the will to keep going and fight for all. Now this war has come to the surface of our planet. Because while the light fights, the darkness rises. Hero, villain, friend, foe, family. Across the universe, the dead have risen, and it's going to take every available podcaster to fight back. In 2016, we covered the dawn of the Justice League with Justice League Year One. In 2017, we soaked in the seminal justice. Last year, we threw it back to the Silver Age. But this year's JLMA podcast event covers an event that knows not the boundaries of death itself. JL May covers Blackest Night in celebration of the event's 10-year anniversary. Our coverage begins on April 30th with the podcast of Oa and proceeds through the entire month of May with Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, The Idlehead of Diablo, The Fire and Water Podcast, Head Speaks, Coffee and Comics Podcast, Longbox Crusade, Waiting for Doom, Task Force X, the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, the Dr. DC Podcast, the Birds of Prey Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, and ends with the Lantern Cast. 
So join us this May, because across the DC universe, the dead have risen. Where will you be? Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode. It's Amazing Spider-Man number 175. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Go check it out. It's a really cool site. Publisher is Marvel. Got a cover date of December 1977 with an on-sale date of September 13th, 1977. Cover price is 35 cents. Editor is Len Wein and writer as well is Len Wein. Penciler, Ross Andrew. Anchor, Jim Mooney. <sighs> Mooney, Mooney, Mooney. 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 You just resigned. Well, we settled on Mooney. Yeah, that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're still when working that one out, I guess. Dry, like a big piece of pie. That's Jim Mooney. <laughs> Jim Mooney. <sighs> Letterer is Joseph Rosen. The color me bad colorist for this issue is, as always, Glennis Ween. This was reprinted in Marvel Tales starring Spider-Man 217, Essential Punisher Volume 1 trade paperback, and Essential Spider-Man Volume 8. And you can also find it on the Marvel Unlimited. We hope you follow along with us as we are going through these issues. It makes it more fun. And plus, you can see the pages as we talk about them. Cover credits go to Penciler Ross Andrew, Inker Frank Giacoa. Speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and get a cover description from Jared. Let's do exactly that. The Marvel Comics Group banner is black letters on a yellow background. Spidey is in his yellow background corner box standing like a sentinel of liberty. The classic Amazing Spider-Man logo gives proof through the night that Spidey is still there with white letters with red highlights. The main action has all-American veteran Frank Castle in his Punisher costume, holding Spider-Man's hand to keep him from falling off the Statue of Liberty. Spidey sees stars, but no stripes, as his recently wounded arm gives him some fits. Oh, say can you see that the situation is made tougher because hanging from Spidey's other arm is trussed up J. Jonah Jameson. Punisher is trying to save them both. And just to make the dilemma harder still, the villainous hitman is taking aim at the Punisher. The Punisher states, hang on to Jameson, webslinger. The Punisher will save you both. To which hitman responds, but who's going to save you, hero, from the vengeance of the hitman? Down by please. Watch out for the hitman. There we go. Thank you. All the while, Spider-Man is thinking, and with my injured arm, I can't save any of us. Delvin, Statue of Liberty noise. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> There's really no noise to be had on this cover. That's it. Well, Jared, thank you for that very patriotic cover description. I felt like I needed to stand. <laughs> mm -hmm. I salute you guys for listening to my cover description. It's very awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get to some quick cover thoughts on this. We are going to mix it up a little bit, and we will start with Delvin. I think it's okay. They tried to sew action with Spidey hanging there with a hurt arm holding Jonah. It's not bad. Probably the best thing about it is Hitman kind of in the shadows. He looks really cool, I think. Other than that, I think it's average. I'll pass it to Jason. I like it. I'm kind of with Delvin. It's not the greatest cover that I've seen, but I do appreciate it when the comics insert something from the New York City atmosphere, kind of brings it back down to reality. I have fun with that, and I think the Statue of Liberty adds a pretty nice element. I'm with you, Delvin. I think it's good, not great. What do you yeah. think, Pat? I think so, too. I'm kind of feeling what you guys are feeling here. I like the coloring. 
the white lettering and the red background on the Spider-Man with the blue, I think the way Jared described it kind of patriotically makes it really stand out more to me now that he said it that way, especially looking at it. You're kind of looking down at the, the top of the Statue of Liberty's head. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I got the chance to go to the Statue of Liberty and be there and see it. It's kind of really cool to now when you see it and go, hey, man, I've been there. I've seen this up close and personal now. So it, it means a little bit more to you. I don't know, have you guys ever gotten to see the Statue of Liberty up close? No, I haven't. I've been to uh, New York City before, but I have not gone to see uh, the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty, no. Bull Weevil Monument, yes. <laughs> <laughs> also Bull Weevil Monument. I did get to go see the Statue of Liberty when I was very young. Like I think it was even before Jared was born or maybe he was just a baby. I don't really remember it all that well. All right. Well, it's definitely a cool place from how it looks here. The grounds have kind of changed around, I think. At least they didn't really depict all that they have there, too. So it's a really cool place. Jarrett, what are your thoughts on the cover? I give it points for perspective, like you had mentioned. It's a tough perspective drawing of the Statue of Liberty that's rendered and pulled off very well. I don't think I could have done nearly as well with that perspective, but good job. I give it points for tense moment, but I am with the other fellas in that it's not dynamic. It's a fairly static cover, and that works against it, but there's a couple of good things. So I think we're all going to be sort of middle of the road on this one. That's what I'm feeling. Mm. It's always these covers that have that perspective from a high above looking down. Mm. I don't know. I guess we'll see how we rank it compared to the other ones we've done before. Speaking about ratings, let's go ahead and check out what we're going to rate this cover. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. Welcome. If you're not, then you know what I'm going to say here. This is just a reminder of the rating system we have. We have a one through five rating system. Five, it tickled your tummy feathers. You loved it. Four, (laughs) you really liked it. Mm. Three, you liked it. Mm. Two, you didn't like it. Mm. (laughs) One, it ruffled your tummy feathers. You hated it. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and see what, Jarrett, what are you going to rate this one? I think we're going to be seeing a batch of threes tonight. That's my guess. So I'll throw the first three in the hat and I will pass the hat to Delvin. I will toss my three in there and I will pass it to Jason. Dropping the three, passing it to Pat. Well, boys, guess what? Mr. Roper's away. It's time to play. Oh, oh, it's three's company. It's an average cover. Three and three and three. Three covers for you. All right. We did it. We did a Three's Company cover. I'm excited. Well, speaking about excitement, let's go ahead and get a synopsis from Delvin. Yes, sir. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man.
The title of this issue is Big Apple Battleground. Let's talk about the duality of man, shall we? Who is the Punisher? Is he Frank Castle? Is he a metaphor for any man who's been pushed too far? Do we really know who the Punisher is? Or, I mean, let's talk about the Hitman. Watch out for the Hitman. Is he Lieutenant Burt Kenyon? Is he a war hero? Is he a criminal? Or is he just a mercenary with a heart of slightly tainted gold? What about Spidey? You know, is he Peter Parker? Is he Spider-Man? Is he Hero Menace? I mean, he breaks laws, right? But he saves. He breaks, but he saves. But he saves. <laughs> Do we really know who he is? I mean, Really? In case you're not getting a bit, the main action in this book, more than Spider-Man and Punisher tracking down Hitman and the People's Liberation Front and thwarting their plot to blow up the Statue of Liberty and J. Jonah Jameson, leaving Hitman either super dead or in need of a Mario one-up mushroom, it happened on one page. Barton Hamilton, world's worst psychiatrist, intentionally triggers Harry Osborne by making a comment about his departed fiance, Liz Allen. Harry snaps and the two come to mighty blows knocking over the lamp that was lighting the room. In the dark, a figure emerges and claims, Now, at last, the time has come for the Green Goblin to live again. But who is he? Who is he? I mean, it's probably Barton, because why else would they put him in the dark like that? (laughs) But do we know that? Do we? Back to you, Pat. Now you have me second-guessing my guess. (laughs) I thought I knew who it was. Yeah, you thought you knew. You thought you knew. I thought I knew. Liz Allen? Liz yes. Allen. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe she jumped in the fight. We don't know. Mm-hmm. It was dark. It's Stegron. <laughs> it's warmer out. <laughs> He's back. Wait, it's under 70 degrees. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for that very silly philosophical. I don't know. <laughs> philosophical. Philosophical. <laughs> That's all. I think you can get that with fries. It's like when you're a really deep thought about the falafel you're about to eat. To hell about my friend. It's philosophical. Philosophical. Thank you very much there. Don't you're what is this falafel? Is it food? <laughs> is it a waffle? Is it, is it a waffle? Is it breakfast? <laughs> is it lunch? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Will Harry eat it? Will Maybe. I choke it? Yes. I don't know. We'll find out. Tune in next episode. <laughs> Speaking about tuning in, let's go ahead and get to some brick or brack for this issue. Though so we'll go ahead and start with first read or reread. Pat, what's it for you? It's a first read for me, Pat. Jason? First read for me. Delvin? First read for me. Oh, Here. boy. Butterflies oh, in the sky, boys. It's a first read for me. We got a 3D rainbow and oh, a wait. reading rainbow. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. A reading Uh-oh. rainbow. Oh, I'm so that's excited. That's my favorite that part. It is really the best part. Uh, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get to some highs and lows and what does. We'll go ahead and start off with Delvin. It's, I guess, a low technically. If you look at the whole of the story, it's really sad. The hitman just came across as just a dude who wanted to be put out of his misery. And that just seems really dang sad to me. I don't know. Something about the war story that was told and mm-hmm. he just came back and I was just like, oh, it's kind of a downer. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about it till I was doing the silly Spidey moment. And I was like, there's nothing funny about this, <laughs> it's man. This, not, was, this was yeah. sad. Does he come back at all? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't remember reading him in any future issues. I think this might literally be the end 
to hit me. Yeah, wow. I think he hit the pavement and that was it. You know the comic book adage, if you see the body, they're dead. If you don't, they're alive. So Yeah, well, we see Peter with the body, too, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's different. <laughs> I wonder if when he saw Hitman's dead body down there, he got a little frisky. <laughs> Somebody call MJ. <laughs> I know somebody's just going back in my closet. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> what are you in that closet? <laughs> That's a Febreze. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Mary Jane. Just let it whistle, baby. Let it whistle. Let it whistle. <laughs> we haven't seen Mary Jane. Yeah, we haven't seen her in a little bit. Too, Not in a while. So. Not in a while. Yeah, I'm missing her. Jared, hi, low, or what the... I'm going to give a very big hi to it's already been mentioned in Delvin's summary, but the way they had the Norman Osborn, Barton Hamilton scene, it's just one page, but it's truly captivating. And I love the way they didn't let us see who the victor is. Mm. As, as we were chatting about, you could be like, well, you know, Harry Osborn is the Green Goblin, but you're like, but maybe Hamilton has kind of lost his nut there. He <laughs> and. His- <laughs> gonna be is you can't tell and i just love great great cliffhanger from lynn when i read that i had to go back and take a double look at it and go okay oh they both had suits on mm-hmm. so i was trying to go well maybe i can see it from the suits i was trying to tell by the hair yeah <laughs> you know that too i just assumed it was harry osborne i give lynn a ton of credit because like i hinted to last issue it was like okay we know green goblin's coming i just assumed it was gonna be harry and i'm like um Went through a little twist in there, like the Green mm-hmm. Goblin's back. Who is he? I don't know. I haven't read these issues coming up. So, Pat, Pat I'm going to hijack the show. I want to go around the room real quick and say, who do you want it to be? Jason. Harry Osborn. Delvin. Harry. Pat. I'm going to say Harry, too, but I don't know much about this Barton guy. I actually want it to be Barton Hamilton, because I think it'll be an interesting, unique twist. If it can't be Stegron. I prefer it to be Stegron. <laughs> yeah, Stegron, obviously. But that was a choice I was <laughs> Well, the reason why I say Harry is because I think part of the element that makes Green Goblin extra creepy and an extra level for Spider-Man is that it is a friend or a mentor or somebody that he's close to. So without that element, if it's just some other guy, I don't know, it just doesn't seem as menacing or tragic maybe to me. That's true, but I feel like if you bring Green Goblin in as Barton, that makes it interesting to me, mm-hmm. and you don't burn out the Osborne Goblin thing. It's kind of like a free Goblin story with a bit of a twist. Yeah, I guess that's true. I so, I mean, we can look at it either way, honestly. I'm not saying anybody's anybody's wrong or right. It's just interesting that we have different thought processes. processes. Falafel. <laughs> yeah, I thought you, you, I thought you wanted Barton just so you could say Hamilton. <laughs> Well, now that you mention it, play that promo. (laughs) I'm done. I got to pass it to Jason. I'm going to start with a what the. And that opening battle, which was a good way to open the story, I thought. And Spidey was like, we got to take these guys down easy. And then he like kicks that dude in the throat. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that guy lives. (laughs) I kicked his head off. Yeah, take it easy. They're just doing their job. I was like, holy cow. Anyway, that's my what the moment. Pat. 
All right. Well, I'm going to give a high. I definitely like the action in this issue. I thought there was a lot of good fight scenes going on. It had me continuing to read through a lot more to just see where this is going. Really enjoyed the action and the story in this one. We'll take it back up to the top with Delvin. Got a high, low, or what the? I'm going to add a what the, and it's right around the same fight scene that Jason was describing. I give it a what the when Spidey whipped out the webs and like, all right, Punisher, let's get away. And Punisher goes swinging away on a um, web. And I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, I got to cross that off my list now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Good one, Delvin, good one. He can't do that. Like a boss, too. Double leg kick. Like he's done it every day for his entire life. He was a male bonding, though, right there. Oh, they're sharing webs. How cute. Yeah. He would have plumbed it like a black and white rock. <laughs> <laughs> Just He couldn't have done it. Just don't see that happening. All right. Let's go ahead and get another one from Jared. I'm going to do a weird mixture of high and low, and I'll start with the low, but I'll bring it back to the high. We pick on Mooney, but Ross Andrews' pencils look better with Esposito. They just do. Although, Mooney, if you're listening, you do a fine job. You're a better anchor than I will ever be. Along those lines, I want to bring everyone's attention to the very first full-blown drawing of the Statue of Liberty. The inking job on that is incredible. The drawing on it is incredible. Then on the next page is a zoomed-in closer shot of the head of the Statue of Liberty. That is some excellent, excellent work on a difficult thing to render. So hats off to Mooney and, of course, Ross for that. He had his moments. You can tell that he draws a more realistic style. Mm -hmm. Or he inks a more realistic style than um, Mike did. Mike just seemed to have a better stylistic pairing with Ross Andrew. I don't think Jim Mooney is bad. Like, all joking aside about, you know, not being able to say, Espedito! <laughs> like, all joking aside about that, I don't think he's bad, But and, and I do agree with what you're saying. Jerry. Yeah, I, I think it's a good way to say it. he is not bad. I think the better yeah. pair is with Esposito. I've been reading The War That Time Forgot trade paperback from the early 70s with the soldiers and dinosaurs, and every issue is drawn by Andrew and Esposito. So these cats have been together for a long time. When you get that kind of rhythm, you know, there's no way Mooney can match that, but he does have his shining moments in here. So it's different. I prefer Esposito, but Mooney's no slouch either. Very good. Jason? I'm going to take us to that terrific Liberty Island action. I was thrilled by it. It had kind of a diehard-like feel. You just reminded me of something. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you know what it reminds me of? I, I'm Bebo picturing Williams. it in my head. Yes. Yes. I, <laughs> as soon as you said Williams. it, I was like going through my movie Rolodex. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah. Was Remo Williams S? I was thinking but, about Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> <laughs> also very good. You're always thinking about Ghostbusters 2. That's a fact. <laughs> I got a question for you guys. Who really believes he was using, quote, mercy bullets? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something he just told Spider-Man. I know. It's like, those guys looked at not. Nah, no, man. Mercy bullets. They're Mercy just unconscious. Bullet. Why is there blood all over? No, no, man. That's paint. Look at your guy's brain. <laughs> I noticed you didn't change out your magazine. Instead, you're putting in Mercy Bullets. You just made magazine changing sounds. <laughs> During the battle wagon. Mercy Bullets is in Mercy. He's dead. <laughs> Mercy, he bit the bullet. <laughs> Mercy, like, he's he going to be seeing the law soon. He's going to be because <laughs> he tries to shoot at the hitman again too he's like what are you gonna do watch out for the hitman watch out for the hitman 
Yeah, don't think those were mercy bullets. But yeah, you know, ignorance is bliss. Anyway, Pat, what do you have? Well, I'm going to go with a high here. Like Delvin mentioned it in his synopsis. Another high I liked is the storytelling that's going on again with three parts. I like the part with Robinson and Gloria uh, and yeah. and Madison, Marla, just kind of hanging and chilling. And they all get kind of a little personal there. Yeah, they're yeah. getting cozy. This is just a good little one pager. And then I like the flashback of the Punisher that just takes me back to G.I. Joe there. Those kind of stories they did there. And then the other part I like is, of course, the Harry Osborne one with Dr. Barton. I'm more interested in that stuff going on. But the other story of the fight with the hitman. Watch out. Had, <laughs> had me interested as well. Anybody have another high or low? We're wagon. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing that I would say that we didn't touch on, which I kind of found interesting, is this is the first time since we've been reading the Spider-Man stories that J. Jonah Jameson actually starts questioning himself and his hatred mm. of Spider-Man. Because he's like, man, I'll see Captain America crawling up, you know, the statue to save my life. Maybe I was mistaken a little bit. So I, I like that. He's starting to question himself a little bit. Good, Good point. point. Yeah, definitely. Good one, Any? Jason. No one's laughing at you. <laughs> All right. Anybody have anything else to mention about this? War wagon. War wagon. <laughs> the war wagon was in the system. I do like reading Punisher War Journal, number 417. Is that a battle journal? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spider-Man asked me to put in fake bullets. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him to turn his head. I was all like, click, clack. Sucker. Mercy bullets. What an idiot. <laughs> While we're having a laugh here, let's go ahead and get into our silly spidey moments. We will start with Jared. Oh man, like Delvin says, not a lot of silliness in the issue. I frankly was going to give, frankly, <laughs> it's got the Punisher in it. <laughs> anyway, I was going to give my silly Spidey moment to the Punisher's swinging like a boss on a web fluid line that he's never done before in his life. Boots kicked up, making it look snazzy. Yeah, he's got good form, man. He's yeah, he's like <laughs> he's got better form than Spider Man. Yeah, legs together, you know, toes <laughs> pointy, looking good. But that's mine, and I will pass it to Delvin. So if I'm gonna give a silly Spidey, it's gonna be to um, whoever that dude is, the head of the PLF, who decided mid heist that he was gonna turn on the Hitman, <laughs> and Hitman was like. Okay. You really thought this through, have you? <laughs> Which Bond movie was that where the dude wanted to negotiate with Spectre? Thunderball. It was underwater, so you probably fell asleep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Thunderball. Yeah, and he's like, yep, I got you over a barrel now, Spectre. <laughs> yeah, sure you do. <laughs> it, it was kind of along the same vein. Yeah, Hitman was like, all right, fine. And you're going to try and blow me up, too. I got something for that. Mercy bullets. <laughs> I'll pass it off to Jason. Well, I think that I'll just tag on with Jared's Punisher swinging like a boss and give it a silly Punisher when he says, I think it's about time I got into the swing of swing things. Of <laughs> I forgot he dropped the pun. <laughs> forgot that. Putting the pun in Punisher right there. Waka waka. Dear okay. War Journal, I dropped a good one today. Because <laughs> he's swinging. He's like, yeah. Good one, Frank. Good one. <laughs> 
<laughs> this one didn't have a whole lot of funny moments in it. Were you able to find one? I think I got one. It's right after they're done swinging and they find the, the battle wagon, the war wagon. That's right. War the wagon. War wagon. <laughs> so it's right there. It's never been called anything but the war wagon. Occasionally battle wagon. <laughs> I like battle wagon. Just sounds cool. It does sound cool. I picture him with like guns and like a sword and sandal kind of picture of Frank Castle Punisher. <laughs> battle wagons are rocking. Don't come a knocking. <laughs> <laughs> you want some mercy bullets? <laughs> oh my goodness, I can go so bad. <laughs> Get back, Spider-Man. I'm going to lob some of these mercy grenades. <laughs> I stabbed in the face with my mercy knife. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the mercy with this knife. <laughs> well, my moment is, though, when they're in the van and they're tracking down it, Spider-Man says, you know, oh, it sounds like there's a story going on there. You want to talk about it? And Frank's like, I do indeed, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's very Punisher-like. It's awesome. They're like two chums in a van. (laughs) You share a spider web, that just opens up a whole new relationship. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of when I drove to HeroesCon with Jared for Mm -hmm. three hours. (laughs) I got more stories for you this year, my friend. Cool. I bet you do indeed, my friend. <laughs> Why can you only you open the door, Jared? Where are the child locks on? <laughs> I've had a particularly interesting life. Would you like to hear about it? <laughs> oh, you would. <laughs> Should be a fun ride. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get to some ratings for this issue. Just a reminder, it's a one through five rating. Five, it tickled your tummy feathers. You loved it. Four, you really liked it. Three, you just liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, it ruffled your tummy feathers. Jared, what's it do for you? It was such an offbeat issue from what we're normally used to with the humor and stuff, but it had a pretty powerful story and a good ending. Great cliffhanger. I'm giving it a four. I really liked it. Mm. And I'll pass it to Delvin. I agree, Jared. I will give it a four as well. If for no other reason, that quotes reveal of the Green Goblin was like, okay. I mean, because he, he, he'd hinted and then he delivered with a twist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just saying Green Goblin is going to be the next issue was enough where you're like, okay, yeah, good story. But then you don't know who's going to be behind the mask. Okay, I'm ready. And then that plus all the other stuff that you mentioned about the issue. Very good issue. I really liked it. So it's a four. Jason. Well, despite the lack of usual Spidey humor, I also really liked the Green Goblin quote reveal, end quote. I thought that that was really well done. I also like the Punisher flashback, which number one, I think is really cool whenever you get to see the Punisher back in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But number two, it kind of took Hitman as compared to the previous issue that we reviewed where he just seemed kind of like a stock cartoony character. Yeah, This added yeah. a lot of depth to him. And I actually ended up feeling for him as he fell to his death. So mm-hmm. kudos on Len for that as well. And then plus you just mix up the Spidey Punisher action Mercy Bullets, you know, all that good stuff. It was a really enjoyable issue. So that's a long-winded way of me saying I'm going to throw this four on the pile. Pat, bring us home. Well, I think you guys have said a lot of what I would say about this as well. I am just going to tell you I'm going to give it a four. I really liked it. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Open the door. Get on the floor. Everybody scored this one a four. It was a night like this. Million years ago, I want to get any time. 
All right, never mind. I don't know. <laughs> you got farther than I want to do. You're on your own at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, so we all saw this one pretty much same point of view. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's been a while since we've had a decent issue, I think. It it hasn't been filler. It's been more of a build-up than filler. Yeah. Yeah. Put it this way. You remember when there was a build-up for Doc Ock and Mm -hmm. the issues are kind of meh. But now, I mean, it was pretty good build-up. You got a few characters introduced and Marla, who's a part of the fray now. But yeah, not filler. Good issues recently, in my opinion. I agree. I'll sign on that. Definitely. Well, I think with that, that's going to bring this part of the show to an end. Got a comment or question? Send us an email or contact at logboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. We will be right back. My name is Michael Bailey, and I am still kind of a bad geek. Not a fan of anime. Never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I've ventured a little further into the worlds of Star Wars and Star Trek, and I've even managed to watch a little Doctor Who. I've also managed to not watch a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic books. I have been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I've been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby, but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is. A crippling addiction that I may never recover from. Back in 2007, I started a podcast called Views from the Long Box to deal with this borderline personality disorder. Every week or so, I pick a particular comic or issue or character or whatever to talk about them, and then, well, I, I talk about them. It's kind of what a podcast is. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I'm joined by my semi-regular co-host, the Irredeemable Shag, or Thomas DJ and the permanent semi-regular co-host, Andrew Leyland, and sometimes another friend from the podcasting and comic book world stops by to chat. The show is located at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com, where you can find old episodes and show notes and links to my other internet endeavors. You can also find the show on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter under the handle at Bailey's Podcasts. Views from the Long Box podcast about comic books or a desperate cry for help you decide every tuesday or so at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com welcome back from the break now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode which is determined by our crusader club members club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the longbox crusade page at patreon.com as always we want to thank our crusader club members for voting to help determine the programming for this show if you want to get involved in the voting and all the other amazing benefits of being a crusader club member just head on over to patreon.com and search for longbox crusade you can join for as little as one dollar per month and help determining what each episode's second feature will be. For this episode, the Crusader Club members selected X-Men number 108. Default, default, default. It was again a tie, so we're going with X-Men. So the credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics again. Publisher Marvel. Cover date of December 1977. But its on sale date was September 1977. Got a cover price of 35 cents. Editor Archie Goodwin. Writer Chris S. Claremont. 
Esquire. Esquire. Penciler, John L. Byrne. Ooh. First John Byrne. Delvin, it's your honor, sir. Dirty Bernie, baby. <laughs> Still funny. <laughs> Anchor is Terry Austin. Letterer, Dennis Wool. Another letterer is Tom Orzakowski. And colorist is Andy Yankus. This was reprinted in Classic X-Men number 15, also on the Marvel Masterworks volume 12 of the Uncanny X-Men, the E-Central X-Men volume 1 trade paperback, and the Uncanny X-Men Omnibus volume 1 as well. This is also in X-Men Forever Giant Size number 1. You can also find it on Marvel Unlimited. And again, we encourage you to be reading along with us to enjoy the fun we have. Cover credits go to artist Dave Cockrum. And speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and get a cover description by Jared. The Marvel Comics Group banner is black letters on a green background, and the mint green corner box holds the heads of Banshee, Colossus, Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler. It's the all-new, all-different X-Men, and the main logo is white with blue headlights. Now, our main action shows a massive golden robotic fist smashing down, barely missing, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Storm, Banshee, and Cyclops. Is a no-holds-barred shot of Banshee's Batch a worthy trade-off for a glorious posterior view of Storm? You decide. I vote yes. Armageddon now! (laughs) (sighs) I knew something was coming there. (laughs) Yeah, something was coming all right. (laughs) Check out me lucky charms. (laughs) It was like, oh, yeah, Storm. Banshee, what are you doing? (laughs) I want to know this, laddie. <laughs> you you can uh, just skip me on cover thoughts because you grabbed all. all right <laughs> Thanks for ruining a great moment, Banshee. <laughs> well, speaking about cover thoughts, let's go ahead and see what Jared thought. I miss the word balloons from the Spider-Man because Banshee should be yelling, these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And with that, I'm passing to Delvin. <laughs> <laughs> that does kind of remind me. There was this like famous slide that Bruce Springsteen did one time. Crotch first, right into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the last Deadpool movie when he yes. was <laughs> <laughs> We did that to Cable. <laughs> Cable's like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, I don't have much to add about the cover. It's decent, and no lie, as soon as I saw Storm in the post, she was, I'm like, you effing people. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I took the highest road possible for me on that cover description. (laughs) You you did. That wasn't too high. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm less ashamed of you. Not proud, just (laughs) not proud. (laughs) Not as ashamed as we thought we would be. (laughs) So, Jason, what do you think, man? Oh, man, I think we covered it all. I'll just read what I wrote down. Solid action cover. Nice storm angle. Not so nice banshee angle. (laughs) On to you, Pat. I didn't even realize the banshee angle. (laughs) That'll haunt your dreams. (laughs) Now my eyes go there instead of storm. And it's like, oh. Oh, I just want to know what went into his thought process. What should I imagine banshee do? (laughs) (laughs) Replace me with John Byrne, will you? Here's a banshee batch for you. Oh, man. Yeah, I I think it's a good action cover. Coloring is good as well. I think you guys have said the rest of it as well. So let's go ahead and get to the cover ratings. It's going to be a one through five on this. Five, you loved it. It gave you a ring to sling from. Four, you really liked it. Three, you just liked it. 
two didn't like it at all, or one you hated it. It turned you into a baby. To a baby. <laughs> That's my baby sound. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded Jerry. like Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mary Jane baby. is a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I want my bottle and my cigarette. <laughs> Jared's tickle laugh. <well. laughs> he did it for me. The cigarette pushed me over the edge, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would. I got him. <laughs> it's so true, though. Oh, Jared, what's it going to be? Three. Not terribly memorable, but still good Cockrum stuff. Delvin. It's a three for me, too. Watch out for the nuts, man. (laughs) (laughs) He's on fire tonight. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) That's funny. Jason. I'm going to agree with you guys on the three. It's a good cover. Big Giant Solid Fist doesn't really excite me too much as far as the villain. But yeah, good, not great. What do you think, Pat? Well, again, just like the first Spider-Man one, I am going to give this a three. I think we all here again for another three in company. Let's go ahead and get some synopsis from Jason. All right, everybody get comfortable. Here we go. <laughs> Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus. Children of the Atom, students of Charles Xavier, mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect, these are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents The Uncanny X-Men. The title is Armageddon Now, and when we last left our merry band of galaxy-hopping heroes, they had leapt through a Stargate to rescue the Princess Alondra from her evil brother, Emperor Dakan. In a vicious battle, the X-Men barely defeated Dakan's Imperial Guard thanks to the timely arrival of the mysterious Star Jammers. Before Dakan can be defeated, however, he activates the power of the Imkron Crystal and nearly wipes the galaxy from existence. The X-Men have had little chance to catch their breath as the Crystal sends forth its protector a diminutive creature named Joff, who proceeds to punch Wolverine into orbit. <laughs> and Cyclops is like, oh no. <laughs> After the X-Men are barely able to defeat Joff, thanks to some quick thinking by Banshee, they are attacked again by yet another more powerful defender of the crystal. The battle rages until the X-Men and Star Jammers find themselves within the crystal itself. Damaged by the battle, the crystal is fracturing and threatens to wipe out all of reality. Using the power of the MacGuffin, I mean the Phoenix, (laughs) anchoring herself with the support of her friends, Jean is able to stop the Calamity and knit the crystal lattice back together. With the galaxy saved, the X-Men return home with an exiled Lalandra and a secret revealed. Corsair is Scott Summers' father. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Will Cyclops be able to see his newfound father again? Will Alondra be able to return home? What are the odds that Xavier is going to get next semester's tuition from Gene's parents? Stay tuned. Mm, thank you. Awesome recap. 
Well, let's go ahead and get to the bric brac for this issue. We'll start with first read or reread. And we'll start with Delvin. So first read for me, Jared. First read for me, Jason. Gotta ruin it. It's a reread mm. for me. Well, it doesn't even pay. It doesn't even matter now. It doesn't even matter. Well, we, you know, hey, we got one in. We got one in, boys. Yeah. We tried so hard. Got so far. In the end. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> even Jared knows that. <laughs> Jared, I was, dude, that's, you, you realize that from like the year of our Lord 2000, right? Hey, hey, I came through with one. Yay. You were slipping in your old age, sir. <laughs> it's lazy, but I came through. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to some highs, lows, and what does the Jared? They shock you, but I'm going to start with a low. (laughs) I let Claremont get away with this once, way back when we first started X-Men on Chronicles. I might have mentioned it. They built up Thunderbird for, I think, one issue before they killed him. I was like, that's a little fast. Not much of a buildup. He did it again. Planted the seed of the mystery of Corsair in the last issue and revealed it in this issue. He needs to pace out his mysteries a little bit longer. Take a page out of Lynn Ween's book and let us ferment on mystery and it'll be more exciting. Because I was like, ooh, you know, I'm looking forward to dangling this secret over Pat's head for a couple of issues. And it's like, oh, there's a secret and here's the answer. Pace it out a little better, my friend. Pace it out a little better. I agree. I thought the delivery was just awkward. And it's like, yeah, it, it could have been a thing. It could have been a moment. It could have yeah. been a huge, but instead it was like, who's the father? He's the father. Oh, great. Hey, okay. And by the way, this guy that's going through the Stargate that you're never going to see again. That's your son. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back to my theme. He's foot on the gas. And I think it kind of hurt the storytelling in this one. But I yep. will pass it to Pat. Well, I'm going to give a. Hmm. Hmm. That's a new column. <laughs> that's a, yes. hmm. That is an appropriate one sometimes for Claremont. <laughs> well, that's what it is about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tossed. I don't know if it's a low or it's a high. There's a lot of exposition again in this one. Interesting exposition as this one really went far off out of this world, I guess. <laughs> to me, I'm like, wow, we've really taken a really different turn with the X-Men now compared to where we were before with all this weird stuff going on. But, you know, I just is what X-Men is, you know, down the road. It's always this wild ride of a team. So I just really thought, wow, th- this really went in a direction I wasn't expecting. And you're right. Finding out that Corsair is Scott's father, you know, th- they could have dragged that out a little bit longer. Were you aware of that, Pat? I was not. No. When she said it, when she's like, oh, but I don't know. I don't know what to say. They should have left it like that. And then, you know, said something later on. But do they meet up again? And then now I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Do they get to see each other again? Is this true? Yes, they will get to see each other again. There will be more storylines with the Star Jammers and the Shi'ar Empire. Where's his mother? I think she did. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they reveal that? Yes. Because, yeah, she. It's fear died. or whatever, yeah. Well, I'm still kind of interested, but I agree. They could have kind of played that out a little bit longer. Let's go ahead and move to Jason. The ending to me seemed rushed. It was less than satisfying, in my opinion. I had the omnibus and it has the original letters page. And again, as you read through, there's some clues in there that really kind of makes it feel like that perhaps Cockrum was kind of at the end of his rope. I think this was about where he was running into health issues as well. And you can really kind of sense this frustration from Claremont. 
he wasn't able to pace the storytelling out because I think the art had been late and they were having these issues. And so I think, I hate to say it, but I think it was more Cockrum than Claremont. And I think Byrne was brought on here because number one, they wanted to write the ship because the book was making a lot of money and they really wanted to go monthly. And if you read the letters called, just about all the ones that they selected were from readers that said, we want this book to be monthly. And they again wrote in and said, yeah, we want to do that too. That's our goal. We've been frustrated. We couldn't do it. And it almost kind of felt like they were throwing Cockrum under the bus a little bit. And there was even a little thank you. I don't remember if it was in the comic itself or if it was in the letters column, but Chris Claremont says, thanks for partnering with me on this book. You'll be missed. And then Cockrum writes a little thing that says, I'm not dead. It might have been in the letters column. I no, it was, it was at the end of the book. Okay, so it was at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And so so I get the sense that Burns brought on now to kind of write this ship and come in here. And the goal is to make this a monthly book and to be able to handle some of these pacing issues. But anyway, I've talked a lot for my high and low. I just thought that was important to bring to the table. You no, know, you bring some interesting yep. thoughts about it, too, that I didn't know. So I'm interested in hearing it. I read the letters page, too, and seeing John Byrne was the first letter. He kind of wrote, you know, to the fans and was like, well, hey, I'm here. I know I'm not Cockrum. I really actually look up to this guy. Like, yeah, please give me a chance. So, yeah, interesting. This whole thing has been interesting. And I'll go ahead and go into mine, Pat, with a what the. I mean, between that and just the storyline as a whole, it's like an adult version of if a kid were telling you the space story. It was That's like. A good analogy. Yeah, I see where you're going. 100%, 100% agree. <laughs> Okay, and then they they go into the crystal, and then Gene grabs two people, and then there's a neutron star. It's like what? that things go crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then it, <laughs> it blinks out of existence, but then it comes back, and whew, okay, yeah, weird. That's my what the what my what the was this entire story like? I get the feeling. If Chris Claremont had to do this all over again, I mean, and you you know what? You, you're doing these things in real time. Maybe if they would have just had a year to just get a few stories out or whatever and didn't have to do it in these two-month increments, it could have been an overall better story. But this, I'm glad this particular storyline is over. I hate to admit it, but I 100% agree. Hmm, Jared's not looking so crazy from last episode <laughs> now, is he? That's what I think I was trying to explain in the in my part of it is, man, and this got really weird really quick. It's just, it's too much. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe with more time, the story would have made a little bit more sense. This is an essential part of X-Men history. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll make more sense in the coming months. Just as of right now, not so much. What I've kind of reflected back on is Cockrum and Claremont were great for two or three issue story arcs. But when you start laying out these longer epics and you're trying to do that over bi-monthly and then you're missing your deadlines, it's not good. It's not good. I think this could have used an extra issue. Maybe an extra couple. Yeah, I think that's why Marvel at this point is like, we've got to make this book monthly and we got to have it come out on time. Well, we did a lot of chatter there, and I think nothing will say it better than I believe it was Delvin who said, it feels like this is a story told by a child. And this guy showed up and then he punched Wolverine in the space and then it turned into a giant robot. And it was just like, I don't know. And then it was a bigger 
robot. Yeah, I just, <laughs> <laughs> we've already beat this point into the ground. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. So I'll I'll go ahead, Pat. Well, I'm gonna go. I love the art in this. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree you know, with that. Vern did a great job. That helped carry this book through is the amazing art because there is just tons of action going on, and just to have all that action plus have all the word bubbling talk going on too is just this is a really decent piece of work going on here when you look at it to have that great art to have that story going on and just put that all together it's it's pretty decent you got yeah i absolutely agree with you about the artwork burn came on and that artwork is it was clean burn at the height of his powers maybe and this was yeah this is late 70s there was no way you could find any better artwork at that time it couldn't have been that had to be premium stuff right there it had to be cochran was aces all the way through and i'll be honest with you i didn't realize until about six pages in and it was about the time where it's a kind of a busy page banshee's flying around cyclops is looking scared they encounter that little purple dude and i thought Cockrum's faces are better in this one. Then I took a second look. I said, wait a second, is that even Cockrum? And I had to scroll back. And that's when I realized this was the first burn. So when I don't even realize that you switch from a master like Cockrum, yeah, your art's on point. Definitely. And I yeah. only noticed because I thought something had improved. <laughs> that says a lot. <laughs> Yeah, Cochran was great, but Byrne is both also great and prolific. He can get the book out on time. So say what you want about him as a man. Now, you know, we've all we've all encountered him at the cons. (laughs) Yeah, well, Mercurial, but uh, uh, (laughs) terrific artist. Well, I am definitely looking forward to more of this journey going on, especially now that this team, Burn and Claremont, are together. So I'm looking forward to how this all plays out and, and going through this journey. I would love to be a fly on the wall of Chris Claremont's house. This seems like it was an emotional time. Just between John Burns' letter, Cochran leaving that note about I'm not dead, like it was weird. Yeah, I got the sense. It was almost like a sports fan and you've had that superstar that's been on the team just too long. You know, the health is failing, just doesn't quite have it anymore. The fans are starting to boo him now. It's just like, ah, this is just sad. I wish it could have ended better. I'll just leave it at that. The only thing I want to say is I'm looking forward to Wolverine getting back to his normal costume. (laughs) You won't have to wait long. To the next story arc. I really am. I, I, I don't even know what that's going to be. So it's... Me neither. I'm sure Jason knows. I don't know. I don't know what's coming up. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it because, and again, I just wish that I could, you know, have a time machine and go back to see what Claremont was thinking. And he's probably like, I finally get to tell the stories the way that I want to tell the stories with a consistent artist. I guarantee you he was probably a little sad that it didn't work out with Dave like he wanted it to, but kind of happy that Byrne came on and he found someone with great talent that could continue to tell the story that he wanted to tell. This is, of course, debatable, but arguably one of the greatest comic book duos to ever work on a title here. It's up there. So, yeah, there's some great stuff coming. I think we're going to hit a couple of single issue stories here coming up before we get into the next epic, but it's good stuff. Looking forward to it. Well, with that, let's go ahead and find out who went the extra mile. Jason, who's your pick for the extra mile? Well, in the story, I think it was obviously Gene, because save the galaxy. (laughs) You don't get higher than that. But I'm going to give it to Dave Cockrum, out of respect for everything that he did. Wish it could have ended better. Yeah. You think back, we saw some great stories with Dave and Chris. Delvin? I'll go with Banshee. I thought... Shut! (laughs) 
I'll go with Manji because they were having trouble with that first robot, Jaff, who was a robot. And Banshee was the one who figured that out and then did a very dangerous thing of flying close and using his power in a way that he had never used it before in order, in order to disable a character that was so powerful, basically punched Wolverine in orbit. So that was a very cool and brave thing that Banshee did. So Banshee's my guy for all the extra mile. Jared, what do you think? I'm going to tip a little towards my rating here and let you know that my extra mile goes to Captain America. Although he only appeared in two panels, it was like, oh, hey, a character that I actually care about. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Ooh, that's tough. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I'm going to go with Storm. I like the line that she had to Jean. Oh, yeah. Jean's like, no, don't help out. I, you know, I'm going to drain your energy and, and you're going to ruin your life force. And then Oreo's like, it's my life to give. Yeah. Friend. That was actually very touching. Like yeah. even in a book of weirdness, that was a, a Grounding. very moment yeah. for Storm to do. Because, I mean, Corsair was like, why should I? Mm-hmm. Storm was willing and able to give her life in order to help her friend. And that just speaks to everything that Storm is. She's warming up to me. I like her for many reasons. Yeah. And that's one of them. I know I get a little <laughs> superficial, but I think she's a great leader. And yeah. spoiler alert, Pat, one day she will be the leader. It's good stuff. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get to the ratings. This is going to be a one through five. Five is you loved it. You can swing from it. Four is you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. I wonder if we're going to have a baby on this one. Well, let's find out. I am going to rate this a three. I liked it. Move the story somewhat along. A little wacky, but I enjoyed reading it through. Delvin? I'm at a three as well. As I mentioned a few times, I'm glad the storyline is over. I recognize the historical significance of the storyline, too. And it brought along John Byrne uh, into the X-Men world, which is a very big thing. So in hindsight, a lot of big things happen in this issue. X-Men kind of growing through some growing pains right now, but it wasn't a bad issue. Just a little bit weird. Jared. Let's take a trip back, gentlemen, to when the Chronicles first started. We invented our rating scale of one through five. And I said, I would never give a comic book a one unless I just didn't finish it. I didn't finish it. What? It got so wordy and convoluted, I stopped caring. There maybe was a cool storm line, but I never read it. I didn't get that far. We talked about it last episode. This is very, I guess, cosmic, and it is not my thing. It put me in mind of riff tracks I once listened to. The guys were riffing on Harry Potter, and their big theme throughout the whole riff was anytime something would go wrong for Harry Potter the crew, they'd always go, well, you'd think there'd be a spell for that. But I guess there's not. And the point of that is when you have magic and cosmic stuff and this kind of thing, it's like it's you're just writing to the writer's convenience. I think I need more rules in my writing. I'm not a cosmic guy. I stopped caring. I didn't finish it. It's a one. I don't get why this is landmark X-Men. I'm not trying to be flipping or funny. I just don't get it. It's not for me. And I will leave it to who is it, Jason? I'm crying right now. <laughs> I just I'm sorry. I wanted to. No, you know, that's I, all I right. just got to a point where I was like, I'm done. I, I'm not even finishing this book. So Jared, mm. are you saying that it's a trash can? <laughs> <laughs> I can't go full trash can because... I mean, you just did, sir. You Cockrum, just did. 
Cockrum and Burn drew some beautiful things. And if I had pages of this, I'd be very happy to have original pages of it. But story-wise, you know, and if there's a crystal and it can blink out reality. And there's a little guy that protects it who's, oh, it's a big robot that protects it. Now it's this that protects it. Now Jean's going to, because she doesn't fear death, because she did that, 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 that. I don't know. Let me ask you this, Jaron. Go ahead. Are you sad that Star Wars wasn't picked for the... <laughs> <laughs> no, I I mean, there's a part of me that's glad that I read I this because the... I want to know about comic book history, but I am not being flippant when I say I don't get it. I do not get why this is landmark lore in Marvel Comics because I just... The story is just bad, in my opinion. I know. I know. I brought everybody down, but no. I, I'm speaking you, the truth. Dude, you're not bringing me down because it would be one thing if you're like this sucks i think this is just terrible and i just hate all of it you didn't say that yeah go with me now as far as your blood brother (laughs) (laughs) i will not speak for jay where'd i put those mercy bullets (laughs) those aren't mercy bullets anymore i tell you that by the mercy knife thanks for the mercy grenades i am a little bit down i'm not gonna lie but it's not because of jared's one it's because i kind of agree with him i was struggling i was struggling to get through it i mean there are a couple things all right let's back up and talk about why this is a landmark issue it's a landmark issue because it was the first issue that john Byrne drew right i can track that i can track that it's a landmark issue because it puts a pin and a plot point that will be revisited later to a larger story okay those are the two reasons why it's a landmark issue as an issue itself it wasn't great. It wasn't even good. It was a story arc that I would bet good money that there was more to this story that Chris Claremont wanted to tell, and he wanted to unfold the story in a different way, and he was handcuffed. I really believe that. I think he was handcuffed because of blowing deadlines for whatever reason and the fact that they were bi-monthly, and they couldn't get out of this bi-monthly rut with Cockrum on the book. As much as I love Cockrum and mad respect for him, I think all the stuff that was set into motion several issues issues back has accumulated and accumulated till we got this and finally they had to let him go and put burn on and even with burn on this book because i think so much of the storytelling had to be scripted in order for them to kind of jam together everything that they needed to try to say in this one book there were so many words on the page that it was covering up burn's art <laughs> in, a lot, in a lot of places and i found that to be quite sad as well and it just felt rushed so mm-hmm. i say all of this to say i i understand understand Jared's one. I'm not going to give it a one, but I can't give it a three either. I'm giving it a two. I didn't like it. May, I find that more surprising than yeah. my one. <laughs> uh, and I could take a picture of my notes right now so you can see that's what I scored it last night as I was reading through it. I was trying to give it a three and I even said, well, you know, Burns Art, that's a landmark so we could bump it up. I was like, I can't even see what's going on here. And it's like, even some of the pages he did looked rushed. Like, all right, well, there's no characters here. We'll draw a little Phoenixy thing and some space. You know? <laughs> you know? And it's just obvious that this book is rushed in there. It's just sad it didn't get the storytelling space it deserved. All right. So well, now that we're all down. Yeah. yeah. Well, For just a dollar a month, you could join the Crusaders Club. <laughs> no, I For a dollar, I'll give it a five, man. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I love this. Best book ever written. Jared will give it a five. No, I'll give it a five for a dollar. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> 
I think that's good. I mean, for you guys to have your opinion, that's what it's all about. We're still friends, right? No. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure the show ends now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a good run, guys. Uh, no, no. I mean, you all know I love the X Men. The X Men is my book. Always has been my book. Still reading it today. Loving it today. But it, like all titles, I mean, there's some hits and some misses, and yeah. I just have to be honest when I say, as a story, this missed. Yep. Yeah, I've got a one or two. You mentioned this in the last episode where we covered X-Men. How much editor pressure was here? Because I feel like if they'd given Claremont the room to breathe, this could have been better. Mm-hmm. It really could have. But I think Jason's right. I think it's a combination of editor pressure and artist's speed took its toll. But we've belabored these points. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to get better, folks. I can promise you that. I would be interested to hear what other folks thought about this. We might have lost well. listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we may have. Yeah, but Dave, stick around. Dave's crying in the fetal position <laughs> in the corner right now. I, I would love to hear your everybody else's thoughts. So go ahead and hit us up in the comments. Comments. Either send us an email or otherwise in the Twitter or Instagram or Facebook pages. Make sure you write something back. Did you like it? Did you rate it a three or higher? Tell us why. Or do you agree with Jason and Jared? And we're all friends here, so <laughs> yeah. I'd like to hear other sides of it just to get people's thoughts. With that, go ahead and leave a comment or question. Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. And we will be right back. Hi, this is Batman. Whenever I lose my memory, I head over to the batmanuniverse.net and check out the podcast, Bat Books for Beginners. The Bat Books for Beginners podcast breaks down and analyzes all of my adventures so I can remember how to get to the Batcave, which Robin I'm working with, and where I parked the Batmobile. Chris and Jerry, the hosts of Bat Books for Beginners, are honest about how well I'm serving the citizens of Gotham. Sometimes, too honest, I'll have to talk to them about that. If you wake up one morning and think you might be Batman and have just lost your memories, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net or iTunes and check out Bat Books for Beginners. Now, if I could just figure out who this old man cleaning the Batcave is, that would be great. I asked my friend Scott Snyder and he didn't know. Don't be a supervillain. Visit the BatmanUniverse.net and listen to Bat Books for Beginners, also on iTunes. You'll be glad you did. Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net Bat Family of Podcasts. Don't listen to Bat Books for Beginners when operating heavy machinery or juggling. If you listen to Bat Books for Beginners for more than four hours, call your doctor. Bat Books for Beginners is part of a balanced diet. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from Jared's online store. I give X-Men Comics one ratings.com. No, no. <laughs> that is. <laughs> .org. <laughs> B yard sale artist.bigcartel.com. Early access to special long box episodes, voting to determine show content, a quarterly newsletter, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Thank you for being a friend. Dave Collins, Blasted or Stash It, Gene Hendricks. Ivan the Collector, Ivor Evans, Joe Thomas, 
John and Maggie from Married with Comics, Maxwell Traver, Miranda W., Mr. Lobotomy, Ross Michaud, Ronald Went, Timmy, Bob Buster, Steve Cronin, Samantha Maney, and Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at Longbox Crusade headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just our ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. We move on to social media likes, shares, and retweets from Aaron Head Moss, Yo Joe, Adam Quintero, Yo Joe, I left my wallet with Alan Sedano. Gotta get it. Guys, guys, get, get it. Yo Joe, <laughs> Alan Middleton, Alec Edward Taylor, Alex Morgan Henry, Andrew Leyland, Andrew Morris, Antonio Batres, Austin Kaikendall, Bill Bear, Carl Domingo, Chris Gray. Oh, I get the lucky ones. Chris at BTO and Bad Books. Kobe Mulder. Coffee and Comics. Corey Carpenter. Darth Ron. David Collins. That was that just a crazy old man. man. Dustin Staub. Ed Zawacki. Adair Arauho. Eric Ward. Eric 1218. Got our supply of Eric's. We got Eric Justin. <laughs> Esley Richardson. Flavio Alves Arauho. Gene Gene the Podcasting Machine Hendricks. Green Lantern HG. And his alter ego, Hal Jordan. And I'll let Mary Jane take this one. Into the weird, baby. <laughs> Ivan Chudley. James Charles Huntley. JT. Jeremy Spaulding. Jesse Johnson. Keep hope alive. <laughs> Jesse Jackson. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> Musical genius, Joe Thomas. Jonathan Opst. Jonathan Schaefer-Hames. We all know what he did. <laughs> Carmen in the hunt. Adding color to my life, it's Ken Solo. Kenneth Nice. Kevin Howard. Open the door, get on the floor. Everybody King Dinosaur. Liz Ann Oswalt. Lobo Black Wolf. Logan Set. Louis Burnell. Luis Santos. Magnus Bain. Mark Wilman. Marcus LePage. Michael Siskoid Albert. Michelangelo Barquez. My Comics Memoir. Nicholas Prom. Nuff Said. Ocean Man. Patrick Coyle. Paul Drew. Peter H. Davidson. Puerto Rican Poppy. Rad Adventures. Ranger Gord. Raphael Shelton. Reggie Hancock. Rich Quadra. Rick Heineken. Robert Dominelli. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Safer. Scott Barry. Scott D. Gladfelter. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Shane Darling. Yes, dear. (laughs) 
Did you bring me that? What do you want? The Spidey Memoir? Well, yes, I do. Thanks, Spidey Thank Memoir. Tariq 3688. The Sentry and the Void. Hey, did I tell you guys I got a Hanson shirt? You yeah. did. Yeah, you mentioned. Mm. Tim Price, come on down. You're the next contestant on Crusader Chronicles. Next up, we have one of our uh, Crusader Club members, TPS Buyers at Toronto Cop 86442. You got Tuck. Ooh, Ooh. this one falls on me. I'm so happy for it. You guys ready for it? Hit it. it. Give me a beat. Well, ain't no pecking like the power pack. Pecking through the power pack. And don't stop. What? <laughs> don't stop. Say what? Just ripples, ripples, ripples. <laughs> oh goodness and we'll round this out with west mcgee we will move on to social media comments from green lantern hg who says if he were jose flynn 99 who's musical genius john november he would give x-men 107 a 3.75 but since he is not he will give it a Four. wasn't his first X-Men issue, but one of the ones he started to become a fan because of them. So, Jared, they're out there, sir. <laughs> they're going to yeah. turn on me. They're going to uh-huh. turn on me. Yeah, yeah. I think awesome. being a fan, you can give it a .25 bump. I like how he played within the Chronicles rules. Yep. <laughs> Hal Jordan just makes a comment, reflection of our Spider-Man issue, that fireproof underwear is not included. <laughs> Nor is it necessary, Hal. Nor is it necessary. <laughs> Pants and underwear are optional. I'm going to choose one, another one from Green Lantern HG. We really appreciate how much you provide us the feedback, GLHG, so really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Great episode, guys. Has to be the coolest intro to an episode you've done. Jordan Albrecht, first of his name, Keeper of the Realm, nephew of Weasel Skull, godson of Dark Web. Long may he reign. Long may he reign. Long may he reign. I tell you what, I put that episode on in the car and, and his ears perked up, but he and I both always get a kick out of what I tell Jay to yell it. And he goes, yeah. ah! <laughs> 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 Read them Come all. On. <laughs> yeah, we haven't used that one in a long time, and they really enjoyed that. Thanks for using that one, Pat. Oh, no problem. I'm cycling through them, so it made me smile when I heard it again. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that one. I remember the first time I heard it, and it made me smile. The second Yell it! it. <laughs> <laughs> you should have them redo a new one now. That they're getting yeah, bigger. Maybe so, Good maybe number. so. And you know what? If you're out there and you want to give us a front bumper like that, go ahead send and send it in. Yeah, send it in. We'd love to use them. Heck yeah. And I'll bring us home with a very simple comment from our boy Toronto Cop who said, hashtag GDO. And the fans of the show who pay close attention will know who GDO is. That's Giant Donny Osmond. (laughs) (laughs) Quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. Yes, I want some more GDO. Thanks to everyone for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and your help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's going to be the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to give a big thanks to Jared, Jason, Delvin for joining me on this 31st episode. Wow. Can you guys believe that? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for the enthusiasm. I appreciate it. We like had about, some like about 31, baby. 30, 30 plus one, baby. <laughs> 30, 30, baby. <laughs> 
But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jason? Well, you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Delvin? You can find me at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Find me on tw- uh, Twitter. I often go to other people's podcasts and rate them ones. <laughs> <laughs> Jared? Huh. <laughs> Interesting. I am at Yard Sale Artists. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artists. And I also could be found at Larry's Real Pit Barbecue, the most mm-hmm. delicious barbecue in Southern Alabama. I have not been compensated for that, you know, individually whilst cutting out my co-hosts and not giving them any profits. But once again, that's <laughs> Larry's Real Pit Barbecue, <laughs> Southern mm-hmm. Alabama. <laughs> Send me some ribs. We'll call it even. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds delicious. <laughs> have to bring me some of that. Mm. Well, you can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us live via chat and be entered in to win some free stuff on our live raffles. Join free us. stuff? Like we just give it away? Well, yes. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. Pat, let me ask you this. Where can they join us for that? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can join us for our next episode on Doing It live stream over on the YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we will always start on 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you will get where we want. So you will get a reminder notification for when we go live. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or question? Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to... Rate them all one. Yo, baby. Yell it. Rate them all. music for crusader chronicles is provided by musical genius joe november check out his soundcloud at j-o-s-e-f-l-i-n-9-9 you won't regret it all songs song clips and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended we are just fans that like to share our love of comics outtakes y'all mother better get down my new favorite thing it's to go into a movie. You get there, and it's just—it's a thing of beauty when you walk into the theater, and there's only one couple in there already. 
and then you go and you sit down right next to them. <laughs> you take the seat right next. It's best to do it with the girl, too. Right next to her. Stare forward for a, a long, it seems like forever five count in your head. And then look over and go, I'm not really going to sit here. <laughs> it gets a laugh every time. And nine times out of ten, the girl goes, no, it's fine. You can sit here if you want to. And the dude gives her a look like, what the f*** is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's hilarious. But another classic is when someone gets up in the theater and you know they got to get by you to go to the bathroom in the middle of the movie. Uh-huh. You, and you have to do this with complete sincerity. You got to go, hey, 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 bring me some nachos. <laughs> here's the kicker about one out of every five times i've done that nachos <laughs> really actually you got- brought it back <laughs> a complete stranger <laughs> Delvin, you have you ever seen me do that bit because i do it at auburn games too i don't know if you've seen me do i that don't one. know i mean Probably. It, it, it's hard to keep all the bits cataloged. <laughs> Damn it, Delvin. I catalog your bits. Wait, that sounded weird. It takes. Is it really weird? It's the first John Byrne issue. Feel the burn. Feel the burn, baby. Dirty Bernie, baby. <laughs> Dirty Bernie, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I'm going to bring us back. You ready? Bring it back, y'all. Watch out for the hit man. Watch out. Watch out for the Pat Man. <laughs> Jonathan Schaefer Hames. We know what you did. Or you do. You somebody knows what you did. <laughs> I'll do it again. Flubbing my Jonathan. own lines. <laughs> good night, everyone. All right. All right. See good night, guys. Bye. See ya. Bye everybody. Good night, John Boy. Bye.